Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I look at that and I think of those who who won't get their hands dirty, you know, who feel like, no, that's not my kind of work. You know, I don't want to do that kind of thing. You know, I'm glad I came up in a, a church movement where they valued service. Basically, they said those that would be great in the kingdom of God to be the servant of all. If you can't clean a toilet and take out a trash and move a chair, then you don't deserve to teach either. You know, you just you just not fit for any of it. You have some people that feel like, well, I, I do the pastor thing. I'm the teacher guy. So y'all, everybody else do that other stuff. As followers of Jesus, we're called to serve. And that means we may have to serve in a way we don't necessarily want to. Pastor Bill will talk today about what it means to really be the hands and feet of Jesus. After all, Jesus wasn't afraid to get dirty. He didn't think he was too good to wash someone's feet or spend time with people society had rejected. So if it wasn't too much for Jesus, why would it be too much for us? If you want to love others, you may need to set aside your pride and really serve them. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Beloved in the Lord, you know, we, we want there to be a, a sweetness about us because we are very loved people. We are loved by God. It should, it should begin to flow through us where, you know, we just love other people back and we concern for other people and the way we minister to people and care for them. Um, people feel loved. They should feel loved. And so, Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Verse nine, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. And I think this is Stachys or Stachys, my beloved. So Urbanus, again, um, someone he says, is my fellow worker. This person worked alongside me. They were a worker in, in the church serving this Stachys or I, I don't want to I want to call him Stacy, but it's Stachy. The word, the name means an ear of corn. So I don't know what he came out the womb looking like. You know, that's what they used to name me back then. But he came out looking like an ear of corn. I don't know. Was, but that's that's all I know about him. His name means ear of corn. But he's also, Paul says, you're also my beloved. So you may have been ugly, but he was an awesome servant. So I don't know, you know, that I don't know why they would have named him that. But um, Urbanus was a fellow worker. And this state cheese person is, is again, somebody that Paul says, my beloved. So you find some people that there's not any mention of what they did, but that they're just his beloved. And they're just love, sweet brothers and sisters. Other persons are my fellow workers. But I want you to notice everybody had all these people mentioned here. 33 by the time we're done. They all had some kind of role, some kind of part. They were a, they were a part of the body. And I want to state this because maybe some of these people were a part of the body with no official capacity. But they were just someone that was loving in the fellowship. Maybe some of these people that he just said, my beloved in the Lord. Maybe they just were that person. When people came to gather at the home fellowship, they were they were serving plates and, and loving on people, making sure everybody got a hug and making sure nobody got looked over when it was time to greet people. They saw the person sitting there looking funny like and nobody don't come and greet me. And they made sure they went to greet them and maybe no official capacity. And that's important to note, because sometimes people feel like in order for me to be of, of use to God, I got to have a title. No, you don't. I had some of the best counsel given to me at one point. I believe God had called me to be a pastor and I was just going to church. And they said, if you believe God's called you to be a pastor, don't pursue the position of pastor. Just be what God's called you to be. What's a pastor do? Loves people and teaches people. So you need to be in the word. You need to love one people and every opportunity you teach people. And so for me, those several there are years where for me, it was just in conversation with friends. 
let's get into this, get in the word together. And hey, let's study this one chapter and talk about it together. And it was that was how I was pastoring. No official capacity, but I felt called to do it. I loved doing it. It felt like people were being helped as I did do it. And in time, God would give me the opportunity to do it in a greater way. But you don't need a title to fulfill a calling. So if God's called you to love them, then love on people Just start loving them. Ain't no rule against that. Unless you do some weird stuff, you know, but for the most part, just, just start loving on people. God's called you to teach, study, and, and in your conversation with people, just share what you're getting from the word. It'll become evident in time that this person has, a, a, they, they know the word, you know, they can teach the word. They can communicate God's truth to other people, you know, so forth. So if you don't have an official capacity, don't be hindered by that. It's not required. Some of these people maybe didn't have an official title, but they were serving God in a way that was helpful to Paul. And on his way out of Rome, he wants to let it be known how they ministered, how they helped and what they had done. Moving on now. Now we're going to come across two groups where Paul acknowledges the church in their home, but doesn't really acknowledge the person. And I'm going to share why I believe that is. Look at verse 10. It says, greet Apelles approved in Christ. So this person, we just all we know about them is they're approved in Christ. They've been approved in Christ. Again, I was kind of looking at that. Like, what's that mean? Like, what's why is that? Why is this person set apart as someone that's been approved, approved in the Lord, approved in Christ? Whatever work or whatever this person was set aside to do, God, God's hand of approval was upon. They were approved in him. How does God approve people to us in the body? Sometimes it is through their fruit. Just acknowledging, watching what God is doing, that that, that person's approved. They, you know, Paul told uh, Timothy, he says, you need to study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That, that you, you know, there are things that you do to make yourself approved unto God. So this person here, Apelles, approved in Christ. So was this someone that was diligent in their work, diligent in what they had, that God said, man, they're, they're approval, they're approved in me. It's clear. Um, we don't know. We weren't, we weren't given the scope of their work. But listen to this next one. Greet those who are of the household of Aristob. OK, here goes another one. Aristobulus. All right. Aristobulus. That's what it says. OK, so now usually it would greeting would be to Aristobulus and those of his household. But the greeting is to those of his household. And. These are the two explanations that I just and everything I can look up and find. These were the two explanations I found. It actually will be for him and one other person that's coming up in a minute. So those that are of the household of narcissists as well. So some believe that either these people were slave owners that had Christian slaves that were believers. And so the believers are being acknowledged, but they're not. Others believe that these were head of household. But they weren't saved. And I want to investigate both of them because this is the bottom line, right? You had someone that was, they were the head of household. They were over the home. And if you're over a home and everybody in your home is serving and loving Jesus and approved by God and there's fellowshipping in your house under your home, but you're not saved. And Paul says, like, I'm not greeting you. I'm greeting those that are in your household. That's a scary thing. And I know households. Where the woman, the, the mother is saved and walking. Kids are coming up in the Lord because of mom and they're beginning to walk and dad is not saved. And it's like, but you in the household. The Lord would reach into your house, say, I greet those of your house. I, I would be so torn up if God's, I, I greet those of Bill's household. But not me. 
I'm not part, Lord. <laughs> Could you greet me? Am I, am I a fellow worker? Am I, am I a beloved? Am I approved? Am I anything? Just those of the household. Everybody in my house but me. And so I just challenge those that are here that are in a household where, again, if you happen to be in a household where everybody, or not everybody, but maybe there are people under your roof that are saved, serving, walking, but you're not. Don't be content. That's a bad place to be. It's bad to not be in the Lord. It's worse to be close to the work of God and still not be in the Lord. And this is how I break that down, right? For those who just out there in the world wilding out and they have no clue, they still are in danger, right? They're in danger of hellfire. They're in a bad place. That's why God's called us to go out and reach them and share with them, right? They're in a bad place. And if they died and went to hell, it would be horrific. It would be terrible. But it's going to be worse, for someone that was close by, listening to Bible studies, in the church, around the things of God, just, just have rejected God from up close, it's going to be worse. Jesus spoke about that. He said, for those entire inside, and he said, man, it's going to be worse for y'all than the people in Sodom in the day of judgment. Why? Because it was bad for Sodom. God smoked them on the spot. I mean, he, they didn't even have to go to hell to burn. He, he sent hell down. He rained down brimstone on earth and burnt them out right there. But God said in, in the next life, what they, they're going to be in hell. It's going to be bad, but it's going to be worse for you guys because they had limited light and they rejected me and I punished them. You're seeing Jesus Christ and rejected me. It's going to be worse for you. And so we want to be mindful and careful about being those that are around the things of God, like close proximity to God and his work and his people and his stuff while still rejecting him. Um, we want to be close, but we want to receive the Lord. You know, we want to receive God. We want to let our closeness to the things of God, the people of God, the, cause us to surrender to God. Amen? And so, again, there are households where, and I, I think for a household where people are in the house saved, I mean, there's Bibles at home, probably worship music going on at home, discussions happening at home, everybody's leaving to get in the car to go to church from home, and you're like, I'll pass, I'll not go. That's, that's going to be a bad way to be. Right. And so here is just mentioning those that are of the household. And again, you don't want to be that. I want to be part of the group that is out there, you know, that is doing the work, part of the work. So that's Aristobulus, verse 11. Now, greet Herodian, my countrymen, greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. And so this Herodian, he mentions him that he's his countrymen. It was possible that he was a slave. We don't know for sure. And then again, we have this narcissist guy. And the same thing is said to him. Greet those that are of the household of narcissists who are in the Lord. So there are people of his household that are in the Lord, but it's possible that he was not. So we have him and Aristobulus, who Paul greeted in that way. Now, verse 12. Greet Tryphenia and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord Greet, and so let me stop right there. These are, they're believed that these are twins. Their names mean dainty and luxurious. So you got two, you know, if you could just imagine what they look like, you got dainty and luxurious. I'm imagining two very, you know, frail, framed, skinny little sisters, you know. But he says, greet them who have labored in the Lord, right? So dainty and luxurious was not too dainty. And not too luxurious to get they serve on. They were serving the Lord in this place. So what does that speak to? I look at that and I think of those who 
who won't get their hands dirty, you know, who feel like, no, that's not my kind of work. You know, I don't want to do that kind of thing. You know, I'm glad I came up in a, a church movement where they valued service. Basically, they said those are the be great in the kingdom of God to be the servant of all of you. You can't clean a toilet and take out a trash and move a chair that you don't deserve to teach either. You know, you just you just not fit for any of it. You have some people that feel like, well, I, I do the pastor thing. I'm the teacher guy. So y'all, everybody else do that other stuff. I came out of a church like that. The pastor didn't do nothing. It was ridiculous. That dude would sit in a chair that was like a throne. And on, with a, I'm not exaggerating. They would bring him on, in a chalice, like a silver, like a king. Silver cup was a goblet with a thing and bring him the drinks that he wanted. He would send it back. No, that's not right. And they would go back and get another one and bring it and, and come back. And when it was time to eat, they bring him chicken and grapes and serve him. He never had to get up and get food. And that was what I know God pulled me out of that because I was painting a wrong picture. Then I went somewhere where the pastor is roll up your sleeve and go fix the toilet, you know, before service. And it's like, yeah, that, he said, yeah, you know, just I'm here. Well, I'm going to call somebody else to do it. And I can do it. I'm a grown man. And so I, you know, I just want to say that these two women, dainty and luxurious, they were serving. They were working. They labored in the Lord. And so be careful of that attitude of feeling like, you know, there's some things that you wouldn't be willing to do. There isn't anybody here that's above anything here. And starting with me, there's no job here that I've asked any guy to do that I wouldn't do or haven't done, um, nor should it ever be right. There's I won't ever get to the point where it's like, well, now now I'm the pastor or the whatever, you know, now I don't I don't I don't do that part anymore. I'm not willing to do X, Y, and Z. That's why, you know, I think that's why God is good for married men, you know, because you're married, um, at least to my wife, you're going to do some stuff you don't want to do all the time. So I'll be taking out some trash and I'll be doing some, some cleanup or whatever. It's a bad place to get to where you're not willing to do something, you know? No, I don't, I don't do that. It's dirty. Because as long as we're doing it for the Lord, right, there shouldn't be anything we wouldn't be willing to do. And we do whatever we do, we do it as unto the Lord. So I just want to point out these two sisters, dainty and luxurious. Uh, they labored. And again, that same word there, working to the point of exhaustion. They worked hard. They were hard workers for the Lord, these two sisters. And then in the last part of verse 12, greet the beloved Parasis who labored much in the Lord. And so another person that Paul says, it's an emphatic that this person labored much in the Lord. Verse 13, this was interesting. Greek Rufus chosen in the Lord and his, and his mother and mine. So it's believed that this person Rufus, everybody remembers when Jesus had to carry the cross and he was wearied under the cross and they had the Roman soldiers had him, you know, put it down and they had another guy carry. You might remember that guy's name, Simon or Simeon. In Mark 15, 21, if you want to write it down in your notes, I'll read it to you real quick. Mark 15, 21 says, I'll read 20 and 21. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Then they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. You couldn't argue it emphatically, but some believe that this Rufus here is Simeon's son. It's that same one, that that man that ended up carrying the cross that we know was impacted. We, they believe that this is now his son that is mentioned here. And God says, greet him, chosen in the Lord. And he says that his mother is like a mother of mine. And so whatever the relationship Paul had with Rufus' mother, 
God, but she it's not his mother, but it, it was he said she's like a mother to me. And so two things I would point out. If that be the case, if this Rufus is Simeon's son, then the work that God did in Simeon passed down to his son. And so for every father and that, that's a, even if this wasn't here, I pray that that's the goal of every father in the room and mother too, parent that God, I want to what I have from you. I want to pass down to my kids what I believe about you. I want to pass it down to my kids. And because all of our kids are so different, it's got to be something you're intentional about. And so I just encourage all the parents, but I especially encourage the dads. I think dads sometimes are not aware of how impactful they are on their kids and the lives of their kids. How big of a deal it is what you think of or what you think is a big deal. And the kids might not show it, but I've been blown away at the things that come out later in my kids. I'm like, that mattered to you? That that counted? That's you said that that mattered? I'd be blown away at the things that how their little minds are working. But I'm aware that I need to pass it on. I want to make sure that I want to do my best to pass on what I got to my kids and take every opportunity, take what I have to hand it off, to share it with them, to give it to them. So I just encourage every dad here to do your best. It's a hard work and it's hard because the enemy comes against it. Right. The enemy comes against those relationships. He wants if he can't get me, he'll take my kids. And as I go after anybody, my kids, family, other people for the Lord, it's a battle, it's a spiritual war. So. It's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Amen. Amen. And so with regard to our kids, we want to be we want to go for it. Then again, it says his mother and mine. So, you know, Paul saying she's his mother's like a mother to me. Just would also point that out that within the church, we do have those that are like mothers. And some people don't have Christian parents. You know, some people don't have Christian grandparents. And there are people in the church, the body of Christ, the family of God that end up facilitating that kind of ministry. They they become like mothers. They become like grandmothers to, to people within the body of Christ. And so I know I didn't grow up with Christian parents. And over the years, there have been people in the body of Christ that have been like that to me. There are people that I look at and think that's what it would have been like to have a Christian mom or for my kids to have a Christian grandma or whatever, you know. So just point that out. This person was like a mother to Paul. And maybe, you know, we look at Paul as a strong, awesome man of God, servant of God. But but everybody, he seems to have appreciated Rufus mother mothering him, whatever that whatever that looked like, whether she was cooking him food or giving him counsel or pouring into him and ministering to him like a mom would do. It ministered to Paul. It was meaningful to him, meaningful enough for him to put it in the scriptures. And so for some of you guys that are good at being moms, because some people are like, I don't know what my role is. I don't know. What, what do you do good? Some of y'all just I've been a mother my whole I got 80. I got 800 kids, you know, and grandkids. I, everybody come to my house. I'm their mother. Then do that for God. Just mother some people, smother them and mother them with some, some mommy love. So it matters. Right. God uses it. So moving on. Verse 14. Greet. OK gonna get it right i'm gonna get it right in verse four i'm gonna read this group of names together a sink tus phlegon hermas patrobus hermes and the brethren who are with them it's believed that that whole group was part of a particular home fellowship there isn't really any other information given on them but they're all named together then verse 15 greet philogus and julia nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them, another group that was part of a home fellowship, a home church, no other information given on them. And so that covers the first section. So there's 
the first list of names is covered in verses 1 through 16. These are all different people that Paul said. I just wanted to note them. And you see the relationship were different. Some were beloved. Some were, you know, really diligent in service. Some was like a mother. Some were fellow laborers. Some were with me in prison. But everybody was a part. Everybody was doing something significant in the work of the church. And they were noted for what they had done. And now Paul switches gears. So now that I've, I've listed this group, there'll be another group that we cover in verses 21 to 23. But now Paul wants to speak to one of the greatest issues. And it's just an issue. It's a problem within the church. One of the ways that Satan has come against the church of God is to join it with wrong teaching. I'm going to join up with God. I'm going to join up with God's people, but I'm going to change the message. I'm going to change the doctrine. And Paul's many times when Paul's ending his ministry somewhere, the thing he has to leave with is a, a warning. When he left Ephesus and, and Acts 20, he says, you guys, as soon as I leave, he says, people are going to rise up from among you guys. You're going to find out they were, the, there were wolves that were with us the whole time. And this is what he says. They're going to rise up seeking to draw away men after themselves. They're not going to be trying to put you to Christ they're going to want you to come to them. Be weary and be aware. Be concerned about a man that wants you to come to him. I want you to come to Jesus, right? A man of God is going to want you to go to God. And if you have a relationship with them, they're going to use their relationship with you to help you to go to God. But beware of a man that says, come to me. I'll be what God is. That's what every cult does. The man becomes like God. Only he knows all the answers to everything and everything's got to flow through him. No, it don't. You got the Holy Spirit. Once you get saved, you got a Bible. Read that thing. What does it say? Do that. You know, and so I get people get mad at me. You know, it's like when they ask you stuff that's basic. And it's like, well, pray about it. What God tell you? Well, you know, I man, I prayed about it. I don't want no juice. No, pray about it. I don't want to be that. I'm not God. I mean, I think he'll tell you what to do. Pray about it. Now, there's some things that are black and white in scripture. You give people the word. But there are some things that I'm not going to step in there. You know, I got somebody come up and say, I got these two people who are interested in me. Okay. <laughs> lucky, lucky you, you know, what do I do for you? You know, uh, I just don't just want, I mean, I want to know what you think about it. It don't matter what I think about it. No, I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there after you say I do to anyone. I don't, I can't guarantee either one of them is it. So I had someone I met, I had that very meeting. I said, pray, you need to pray and ask God. And I'm saying, don't tell, don't ask God, is it her or her or him or him? Ask God, is either one of them what you have for me? Let him tell you. And then you can come back and tell me what he told you. And we'll talk then. But you're not pinning me down because sometimes people want you to tell them. I think you should get that one right there. Yeah. And then, you know, a year in, they're like, you told me to do this. Should never listen to you. I'll be all, I'll be, it'll be my fault. Not going to get me like that. All right. So be weary of that. So let's look at what he has to say. He's given some warnings. He wants them to be cautious and careful about these things. First, he says this because he wants us to be loving. He says, greet one another with a holy kiss. The church of Christ greets you. Now, obviously, in that culture, that was how they would greet. People would greet each other. They would hug each other. A little you know, kiss. It was nothing freaky, nothing weird or anything like that. That was a common greeting in some cultures today. Sicilian culture, some other cultures, they still greet you and the men and the women both do and they do multiple kisses on the sheet. That's not what we do in California or in Inglewood. You know, we don't walk up and say, hey, come here, girl. <laughs> you do greet my wife like that. I'm going <laughs> to greet you back, you know. <laughs> we don't do that, you know. But the idea is this, right? The idea is that we're showing, we're showing love to one another, you know. So 
within a church, this should be a loving environment, a loving atmosphere. We should love on each other and reach out to each other. It should be that way. When we gather together, there shouldn't be a feeling of, you know, all this distance and separation. There should be an openness. We're a family, the family of God. God is our dad. We've been adopted into his family. We're going to heaven together. So when we get together, there should be a loving environment, a loving atmosphere. You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington and A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today. You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show, but you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the Book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here we're able to set our minds on the spirit together, discovering the life and peace that he brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the spirit. While wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word, on our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah, and don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.